welcome in to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Um, we've officially rebranded as an anti-Ryan Tannehill podcast. This podcast I mean, no I mean, longer... To be fair, I was always thinking that he wasn't that good and that this did not open any new eyes for me. <laughs> this podcast is no longer pro-Ryan Tannehill. Um, I would like to start off this exorcism um, with a meme that I made this morning. Uh, and I would like to point out that I am the guy in the front in this meme. Um, this is this is my meme that I made today. Uh, and that and I think it's very me. good. That's me with the gun to my head. That that was me. That's I, me. I was, I'm the idiot. To be fair, to be fair, I was telling you this. I I, I never no, thought no, no, that no. he was that good. No, I'm the idiot. No, I'm the idiot here. We've oh, seen it <laughs> all season. Ryan Tannehill has held us back. But as any quarterback, as any quarterback, you go as your quarterback goes. So Ryan Tannehill was the one who led us through eight weeks of no Derrick Henry. Or 10 weeks of no, 11 weeks of no Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is also the one who has lost us two playoff games in a row with interceptions on the last drive. And for as good as Ryan Tannehill has been in the last two minutes of games with game-winning drives, a lot of that has been leaning on Derrick Henry. Because when you have three minutes left on the clock and you have a bowling ball in your backfield... You can just roll over the other team for three minutes straight and then kick a field goal. But when you need Ryan Tannehill to show up at the end of the game and he throws the ball to Nick Westbrook Aquina, who if you haven't heard of him, there's a reason for that. Um, In triple coverage, when Anthony Ferkser is wide open underneath, I I don't understand it we'd been spamming the aj and julio buttons the entire game and then on the last drive Tannehill decides to throw to nick westbrook akina in triple coverage um and it was a good play by the cornerback but if you have josh allen that throw is probably getting in there because josh allen just simply has more firepower on the football You need firepower on the football when you're throwing those short routes. Um, And there's, there's only one per there's two people to blame for this game. Mike Vrabel is not one of them. I don't disagree with the fourth down call in the fourth quarter. I don't disagree with the two point conversion at the beginning of the game, because if you have a full-strength Derrick Henry, which is what we were advertised, we were advertised as Derrick Henry is coming back near 100%. Now, game shape and being ready to play in a game are two different things. Um, Derrick Henry 
did not look like he took contact well yesterday. Uh, he looked like his legs were a little um, weaker than normal. He was easier to stop in his tracks. That being said, bringing it back, if you supposedly have a running back who is a generational running back and can get you a yard in pretty much any situation, you're going to run that running back when you need a yard. Uh, I don't disagree with either of those decisions. What I do disagree with is our short yardage play calling for the entirety of the football game. Todd Downing has got to go. It's been mid all year. We need some actual innovation in our offense. Our offense is severely lacking creativity. And I, 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 I don't know. I don't know where to go from here, but Ryan Tannehill needs, needs to go. And we've got another year of him. And let me, let me get, let me get some points in on here. So, final score, 19 to 16. Obviously, neither offense could really get a massive grip on getting into the end zone. Now, Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Shicey, or, or whatever you wish to call him, um, ended up having a pretty solid game, but not necessarily an elite game. He did have 348 passing yards, but could not get in the end zone, did get a pick. But the biggest note of this game, which you didn't mention this, was the Titans sacked him nine times. Nine sacks, which, which resulted is tied, in 68 yards. Which is tied for an NFL record. Yeah. So once again, the offensive line of the Bengals was going to be a liability, like we talked about preseason, like about during the season, and it was. Now, it wasn't what broke the Bengals, because obviously they, they, they won this game, but this is a team that could be one of the best teams in football if they have that offensive line down because they still were able to win this game. And a lot of it is because they went out there and said, we're going to get Jamar Chase. Higgins was already solid. Joe Mixon has been a beast for them this season. And then, of course, Joe Burrow himself has been fantastic. So they have so many other pieces that are able to get this team going. And again, the defense did great. I know Ryan Tannehill obviously didn't really play that great, but still three interceptions is pretty impressive considering they only got to him one time on one sack. And then Derrick Henry, even in his return, only getting 20 um, – it was 62 yards on 20 carries, really couldn't get anywhere on this team. So I think that was also very impressive of um, of Tennessee to just sort of come in here and be shut down in their own building. And I get that A.J. Brown had a solid game. He had five receptions for 142 yards of the score. Julio Jones wasn't lifeless, and he had six for 62, which he has been mostly lifeless this year, but at least he did something. Um, but yeah, this is, this is something that I now think is this, this has to be cursed at this point because the Titans are absolutely incapable of winning as the number one seed. And I don't know why I'm not saying this to make a point or or mess around, but like, it is very strange how they cannot win at the number one seed. They've had three attempts now, three attempts. They've been at the one seed and the first two times lost to the Ravens in the divisional. And then now have lost to the Bengals in the divisional. So I don't understand what the issue is. I don't know why this Titans team can't pull that out and do something with it. Um, I had high hopes in this team this year, not as high as you had, but I still thought they were going to be a solid team, win the division easily, which they did. But, um, yeah, just a very bizarre game. But even for Cincinnati, congrats to the Bengals. It's their third ever AFC championship game. Uh, their last two were in 1981 and 1988. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is the best Bengals season 
um, in a very, very long time. So you got to give credit to them for really pulling things together and showing up big time. So I do think that is impressive, and I am um, proud of what the Bengals have been able to do. But, yeah, it's been tough for Tennessee. Um, the road to the playoffs goes through Nashville, and uh, looks like Cincinnati rolled on through without much difficulty. So if you don't want to have, if you don't have anything else to say, we can move on to the Packers game, which well, is uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to limit myself here and put a cork in it at some point. When you say with not much difficulty, it was very very difficult for Cincinnati in that game. It was very difficult for them to stop the Titans' offense at certain points. It well, was I'm saying it. I'm saying it still was difficult. stopped. I'm saying it still was stopped because Derrick Henry only averaged three yards a carry. I mean, they still stuffed him down. And I get he's coming off an injury. I know that he, it wouldn't be normal Derrick Henry. But as in the offensive effort of the Titans was pretty meek. But the passing game was actually pretty good when we were going to our two best receivers. There's a reason that you've never heard of Nick Westbrook Akina. And that's because he sucks. <laughs> like, he's one, not He's not Julio Jones. And the three inter- – I just can't get past the three interceptions. And the first throw of the game was an interception. The last throw of the game was an interception. Arguably, those are two really important throws, um, considering that the first throw of the game was the first offensive play of the game. And the Titans started the ball – started the ball game with a turnover. That is – the worst way to start a football game, and the Titans continue to shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, Vrabel needs to stick around. John Robinson needs to stick around. The defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, needs to stick around. Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill got to go. That If you're John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, and you're sitting in your office today, and you're trying not to blame Ryan Tannehill and Todd Downing for this loss, you're doing a bad job. You're not doing I got to give credit to the last guy before we move on. I do have to give credit to Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker out of Florida, um, who actually reportedly turned to his team and said, congrats to going to the AFC Championship before kicking the game-winning field goal. So, um, yeah, he was pretty great in this game. Four for four kicking was long from 54 and drilled the extra points. So, just got to give out to the kickers uh, a little also, bit. Also, um, very impressive. From shout out Janoris Jenkins for just being an entire waste of space on defense. <laughs> I mean, just all day. If I, I saw two, ta- way, two tackles, <laughs> I saw way too much Janoris Jenkins on my screen yesterday for my liking. And if I notice you as a cornerback, you're doing a terrible job. If if people know who you are. And it's not for being like a lockdown corner. It's because you get burnt constantly. And Jackrabbit Jenkins is somehow one of the most notable corners and most talked about corners in the league, despite being not very good, uh, which is a further testament to the fact that Jackrabbit Jenkins sucks. And we need to get him off the team as swiftly and quickly as possible Put him on the next bus out of Nashville. I don't care. Get him off the team. We have some serious exorcisms to do this offseason because we cannot have another 
disappointing season with this brand of team and this uh, crew of characters, which, I mean, uh, talk about how talented the Bengals are on their in their skill position. The Titans are equally as talented up front on defense. Um, they have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry. Uh, this was not an out-talenting. This was Cincinnati did not make the crucial mistakes that Tennessee made throughout the game. Uh, and, I mean, if you've watched Titans football as confident as you wanted to be, you could kind of see this coming. So just one more uh, note as well before we uh, move on to our next topic. I did want to put in just a little bit of notes on the the Raiders-Bengals uh, game. Obviously, it doesn't mean a t- too much to talk about given the fact that obviously – this game is already sort of in the past. But um, I did want to say that the Raiders had a very interesting season. I am very excited for the Raiders segment of our exit interviews when we do those because that is just going to be <laughs> a movie because we know that the, the Raiders have been absolutely insane. So that will be a, a lot of fun to make fun of. Um, but they did end up finishing off. The Bengals uh, won their first playoff game, of course, in 31 years, which now, of course, they have two. Um, and Joe did basically whatever he wanted in that game and chased it over 100 yards receiving, which he's now done in back-to-back games. So um, just shout-out to them for getting care of the Raiders in a game that we thought was going to be pretty easy and eliminated the five seed. So now – I just wanted to say one more thing. Just one more thing that I wanted to get in there. I actually think that if we would have limited Derrick Henry's carries – and given the ball to Deontay Foreman a little bit more, we actually would have had a better game on offense. I think that Henry coming back, I think Henry coming back actually, and and there there's always the chance of this, but you think you're going to get Derrick Henry back, right? You don't think yeah. you're going to get, uh, you know, 75% of Derrick Henry. But also, I think it took our offense out of rhythm. I think the offense had developed a rhythm through the back half of the year, learning how to play without star-centric football. But in the playoffs, you kind of have to play star-centric football, and then the other guys have to step up on the plays in between. Um, The offense never looked in rhythm while Derrick Henry was on the field. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's not a fault to the coaching staff. Obviously, you have Derrick Henry, you're going to play him. That's just the fact of the matter is that over the back half of the year, the Titans learned how to operate without Derrick Henry. They developed an identity outside of him, and now you throw that back into the mix. It can either be really good or really bad, and it looked really bad yesterday. Um, And I think that was a big part of it. But we can move on past my griping and bitching about the Titans now. Uh, Yes, we can now go on to the Niners and the Green Bay Packers. And again, don't you worry when we get on to our – exit interviews, we will have uh, plenty of time to uh, poke fun at and complain about the Titans. Uh, So don't worry. It'll be back. Uh, But yeah, between the Niners and the Packers, uh, this game was probably more wild than the one before it. Uh, It's the first time in I don't know, ever, or at least in a long time, that both divisional games were decided on game-winning kicks. Uh, It certainly was the first time that both games were upsets decided on game-winning kicks. But the Niners pull this off. um, A game that we both thought was basically sort of a not even up for debate, uh, Green Bay win. 
But, yeah, both one seeds are already done. Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 against the Niners in the playoffs. No other quarterback is winless in that many games against one team. And, of course, this could be his last game suiting up for the Packers. Uh, Jimmy G was terrible in this game, but it did not matter. Of course, he paraded around like he was the MVP because that's what um, quarterbacks who win games that they didn't do anything for uh, do. Which, you know, I think is always the funniest thing. Cause it's like when you when you do nothing for the group project, but you still get the A, which basically Jimmy G in that game, um, which – is reason number a thousand that I'm not going to go on a rant on this because it's just too tiresome, but why I still – I'm one of the few people left in sports media that apparently believes that football is a team sport, which I know is a hot take nowadays that football is a team sport and not just two players that are headlined and no one else matters. But football is a team sport. The Packers lost this game. Aaron Rodgers is part of it. He did not actively lose this game. If he threw a pick or screw something up at the end of the game and was that reason, then, yeah, I would blame him for it. But when he threw 225 yards and didn't throw an interception, I also know he didn't throw a touchdown, but people are acting like he had the worst game of his entire life and that he's just a terrible quarterback. So I don't understand. Very confusing to me. But um, Aaron Jones was not that efficient on the ground, but he did fantastic through the air, nine receptions, 129 yards. Um, Again, Jimmy G only had 131 yards passing in a pick, and Mitchell only 53 yards. So actually the San Francisco offense – um, was pretty horrible in this game. The offense was really bad, but what saved them in this game was a blocked punt returned for a touchdown, about six yards, and that is the person I blame for this game. You can blame Aaron Rodgers as much as you want. I don't care. I'm blaming the special teams in the defense because – and, yeah, actually, defense really wasn't that bad, but the special teams, that was one of the biggest errors you could possibly give up because at this point it was 10-3 to – with four and a half minutes to go, all you have to do is punt the ball deep, play good defense like you've done the whole game, and then you get the ball back with like two minutes to go. And basically it's game over. So but really the only thing Green Bay had to not do was have a colossal blunder on special teams, which is exactly what happened. So, no, to me in this game, Aaron Rodgers would have won if, and as well as the Packers if that colossal error didn't happen. So – that's the real winner today is the Niners special teams. Uh, but if you look at the play again, it was, I think, number 46 for Green Bay. I don't know who it was, but number 46 just got manhandled the line, thrown aside, and um, punt was blocked. And then uh, Talanoa Hufanga ended up returning the punt itself. It was another guy who blocked it. But that's the guy I give the game MVP to. That was the play of the game. That's what won it. Um, anything other than that, I think, is uh, sort of foolish. But Robbie Gould, again, the game-winning kick. But um, but no, this, this game was just one of those games that you're just sort of, it just was one of those games, but no, I just, I That's don't it. understand the, the Rogers hate in this game is so vehement. And I get, he's been very polarizing this season. I get that, but that's either outside of football or outside of this game, which I'm only going to take this game as this game. Well, yeah, I, I, I understand the sentiment of why people are hating on Rodgers because he's a very hateable person if you're not a fan of him. But you also cannot deny that Aaron Rodgers is as talented a quarterback as we've ever seen in this league and that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play special teams or coach special teams or have anything I mean, to do with the special teams. Um, but that – I said on GTD – while we were doing our preview of this weekend, I I was nervous 
that the Niners could run the ball, play defense, and control the clock in this game and control the tempo of this game. And not they had even time possession, though. That's the thing. They the had way. even time possession. Only one minute of difference. But I think that really benefits the Niners because they need they need that extra time, right? Which is true. They can't they can't get out time of possession. And when you keep all things even and you control the tempo of a game and you're in rhythm on defense, you're able to shut down the opposing offense. It it makes the special teams plays and those short yardage situations and everything that comes into a close game, it makes all of those things so much more important. Um, but the fact of the matter is that outside of Devontae Adams, the Packers just had six yards receiving. No Marquez Valdez Scantling really, really hurt this team. Uh but there, I mean, there's also the fact that Rogers. Right, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Say that again with receiving. I, I, I may have this wrong. They did. They. Oh, it's no, it's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had 129 yards. Devontae Adams had 90. But the, the, but the big thing is the targets. Jones and Adams had 21 total targets. The rest of the team combined had seven. Yeah. I mean it was it was Jones he only threw to Jones and Adams. That, that was right. essential. Well, I'm saying I'm saying there was zero production from the Green Bay receivers outside of Devontae Adams. Was the oh, point cause, yeah, oh, yes, because Jones yeah. Jones right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Right. Sure. So without Marquez Valdez Scantling, they really, really suffered. Um but that doesn't change the fact that Rodgers has to hit open men instead of throwing to Devontae Adams in double coverage. Um, and, and people are dunking on him for that play. I don't necessarily know that we should dunk on Aaron Rodgers for one bad play, but also, like, he's an NFL quarterback. Maybe he kind of deserves it. Um, They're always open to criticism. So are we in agreement that – this is the NFC championship game today. San Francisco, Green Bay? Or what? No, 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 no. Today. Oh, 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 today. Rams um, versus Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, you could argue that. Um, but the Rams are – I mean, we'll, we'll get to this more. I, I'll, I'll save that take for later, but – I think that could happen. We'll get to that in a second, though. But, yeah, San Francisco's uh, – I, I don't know how much luck they're going to keep on having. But I did just to mention to segue into that, <laughs> let's all spend a minute to just make fun of the Cowboys. Because, you know, you've had a rough last 12 hours. Let's, let's lighten it up a little bit and make fun of the Cowboys. Because this game was an absolute uh, comedy of errors for Dallas. And the end of this game – was one that I don't think I'm ever going to stop making fun of because this was simply preposterous that the Cowboys would do this because you are down, you're down in this game by a lot. The game was not very close for the grand majority of this game, which actually I made a point about that. I made a chart of this. Every single team in the wild card weekend was winning at halftime and winning by a lot. Every single team winning at halftime would win the game. And everyone had a two-score lead except for Cincinnati and San Francisco, again, both of which won and extended their lead. At the highest leads of the weekend, when each team had their most points scored versus the least amount against, 
They were up 154 to 13, and they were outscored 90 to 49 after their biggest lead. Every single game that that the team lost, that losing team scored the final touchdown of the respective game. And five out of six of the final score of the game, four out of six were touchdowns, which was Dallas, New England, Philly, and Pittsburgh. So very weird in this game that all of the teams that were losing scored garbage time points. And it was all the last score of the game. The only difference, um, I think the Rams are the only team that had the last score of the game um, that was a winning team. But very, very strange uh, games. But, uh, but yeah, the Niners beat the Cowboys in a game that was simply hilarious. Um, Dallas scored a 51-yard field goal with 11 and a half to go. And then Dak Prescott scored with eight minutes left to make it a six-point game and actually something meaningful. And then Dallas gets the ball back. So after getting killed all game, you finally have a chance to win. And what does Dallas do? They go down the field, get a short pass for nine yards, another play for 10 yards, another pass for nine yards. All these passes out of bounds, smart playing. Clock's gone down only a little bit. San Francisco calls a timeout at 14 seconds. And then Dak runs up the middle for 17 yards and goes to spike the ball at the 24-yard line, which, again, if you had time, that would be smart because if you had the ball at the 24-yard line, there's not much there because that's, you know, I mean, that's not that far to get something in a touchdown. But instead, it's Dak running up the middle, slides down with no timeouts, clock does not stop, it keeps rolling, and what the Cowboys forgot, which I don't know how as an NFL player you forget this, but the ref has to come up, I think it's the umpire, has to touch the ball to put it at the right spot. But the line just lined up anyway. So the ref had to squeeze in between the linemen, shift the ball back. And by the time he did that, Dak spiked the ball, and it was too late, and the Cowboys lost. So this game was pretty embarrassing for Cowboys and Dan Quinn, which I think is absolutely hilarious that Dan Quinn once again choked the playoffs, um, as he always does. But, I mean, this was just an absurd game. Uh, Dallas – did we ever think they were a truly legit Super Bowl contender? No, but we did think they were a pretty solid team. I mean, they did come into this game again as a good team. They played a solid season. But once again, Zeke was useless. And and even in this game, I know we talked about uh, Jimmy G didn't really do much in this game, but Debo and Mitchell were great. Um, just such a strange, strange game. The Cowboys, will they ever get their act together? It seems like every single season we keep making fun of this and going around and around about how they're – Oh, the Cowboys are back. Oh, they're going to win something. And it's honestly impressive at this point. I don't understand it, how the Cowboys just cannot win a playoff game. They can't get their act together. I'm doing a verbal meme right now. Uh, Titans fans and the the arm wrestle or the handshake meme, Cowboys fans and the handshake is wanting to send their offensive coordinators on the first rocket into the sun the day after the game because Uh, the Ellen Morris slander was at an all-time high after that game um and the McCarthy slander was also at an all-time high but I don't hate the quarterback draw but I kind of hate it you need to at least give yourself one more shot if you have 15 seconds left you cannot just bank on getting a spike off. I know you practice these things every day and they're timed. Um, and this is all situational football, which is what the playoffs in the at the end of the day come down to oftentimes. But 
I mean a quarterback draw with 15 seconds left on the clock. I don't understand how that's in the playbook in this situation. I don't, unless you're Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, hey, at least I can relate to uh, having a number one seed or not a number one seed, a uh, the number one offense in the league and losing your first playoff game at home because that's okay. what happened to the Titans last well, year because of Ryan Tannehill. This all this circles is, um, back to Ryan Tannehill. This is, this is quite a, a funny point here, but Jimmy G in two games of football, two games in the playoffs, 300 total yards, Two interceptions, zero touchdowns, and he's two and zero. So, it just goes to show you once again, team sport. Your quarterback does not need to be good. In fact, he can be objectively poor in back-to-back games, and you can still win. You can still win. So, imagine, just, imagine please, Kyle Shanahan. Imagine Kyle Shanahan with the team that the Titans have right now. Imagine Kyle Shanahan with one of the best offenses ever put together statistically in NFL history. <laughs> but see, it's really it's it's funny because you think, oh, what could possibly go wrong? And then all you have to think of is, oh, of course, yeah. the head oh. coach was an idiot and there was no defense. That's why. Both okay. of, both of those sense. Super Bowls. Like if that's, Kyle that's Shanahan if that's Kyle Shanahan makes the Super Bowl this year, if the Niners make the Super Bowl, I will be taking uh all of my money. money Every every cent that I own to my name will be put betting against Kyle Shanahan in the Super Bowl. I refuse. Every cent. I I might even put a bet on that game. I don't usually bet. And I I might even put a bet purely just to be like, nope, you're going to blow it. And and I'll put the money uh, that I don't have um, on whoever plays the Niners uh, just for you. I will Good. take two bets against Kyle Shanahan in the name of the Blanket Coverage <laughs> podcast because Good. Kyle Shanahan is incredible. Free money. Free money. In the playoffs until, until he gets in the Super Bowl in the second half. It's, it's typical. It's always typical. But we can now go to um, the remaining playoff games we have in the divisional round, which we're going to do this just like we did with the last few, where we're going to uh, preview the game and also talk about how the teams got there. So only doing this for these last two games, which, of course, is going to be Rams and the Bucks, And then after that, we'll do uh, Bills and the Chiefs. And then we'll finish up with our AFC Players Teams of the Week, and then we'll be out of here. So up first, Rams, Bucks, four-seed Rams, two-seed Bucks. And let's preview a little bit how they got here. So, Tampa Bay played Philly, two seed, seven seed. Honestly, very little to talk about in this game because what happened? Exactly what we thought was going to happen. Rager did nothing. Hurts did nothing. Brady was good, but not great, but didn't really need to be very great because it's the Eagles. 31-0 to start for Tampa Bay. This game was hilariously predictable. Um, Eagles outscored the Bucks 15 to nothing in the fourth quarter, but obviously who cares? So, yeah, this was uh, this was very bizarre. I, I I really think that it has been a little concerning just for the Bucks' sake to win it all because their receiving core has been so decimated. 
um, with obviously Chris Godwin being out for the season and Antonio Brown deciding to stop playing football for the Bucks, And so it, this was just sort of a hard game to watch. Fortunately, I didn't really see much of this game. Um, but, yeah, this was pretty ugly. Uh, three turnovers for Philly, including two interceptions from Hurts. Um, I don't really know even what else to say about this. Philly isn't good. Tampa Bay is good. It's very simple. Good team beats bad team. Not bad, but just mediocre. And that was the last and final time that I will ever bet against Tom Brady in the wild card round of the playoffs. You bet against them in this game? I did. To lose okay. or just to not cover? No, 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 no. We, we established this in the first two minutes of the show. I'm the idiot. <laughs> yeah, there, did you I bet against this Tom game? Brady. I bet the Eagles spread. Okay, I was like, if you bet him to lose, that's that's a waste. It was only a seven-point spread, but I, I wouldn't have. I thought they were going to blow him out. <laughs> I had no faith in the Eagles whatsoever. Yeah, oh, and you know, looking back at it, I I should I should have done it. I, I mean, I should have I shouldn't have done it. I should have just not bet against Tom Brady, and I and I don't want to do that today. I don't know. I don't want to do that today. That's why I'm not but doing it. I didn't like, do it last week. I'm not doing I it now. I said 45 seconds ago, I, I, I might have to do it. Yeah, the other, team, it. the other team coming into this game is the Los Angeles Rams, who ended up um, having, you know, it's every time is going to be, are you getting good Stafford or are you getting bad Stafford? And they got good Stafford in this game, but they also got horrendous uh, Kyler Murray, otherwise known as Calamari or um, the really, really short guy running around on the screen. So, um, yeah, this is uh, five foot, uh, five foot two. Kyler Murray did not end up winning this game. Uh, 34 to 11 as the Rams uh, put away four foot 11 Kyler Murray. It was not a very good job here uh, for this team. But, um, yeah, it was 28 to nothing to start out. Uh, James Conner got the one um, touchdown here. Uh, four foot three, Kyler Murray ended up passing to Antoine Wesley for the two point conversion. Um, and then Matt Gay got a couple of field goals down the stretch. So, Cardinals started seven and zero. Please don't forget that. Cardinals started seven and zero, and instead they went eleven and six, and then lost in the first round by a lot. So, it was it was not the best day for three foot eight, Kyler Murray. No, and. I found some stats that are going to help us uh, decipher what I'm going to do today. So the Arizona Cardinals decided to, that despite they're not that blitz heavy of a team, that despite not being that blitz heavy of a team, they were going to blitz Matthew Stafford on 50% of his dropbacks. Matt Stafford has the best passer rating against the Blitz since 2016 of any quarterback, since next-gen stats were invented. Do you know what Tampa Bay likes to do, transitioning this to the Tampa Bay game? You know what what Tampa Bay likes to do? They like to Blitz. They're going to have to seriously change their identity on defense in order to win this game which is why I'm actually going with the Rams here. Okay. I put in the pick change for you. I just I, – mine is a purely principal Brady pick. 
There's nothing more complicated about that. As much as I hate Brady in football, it is I just I can't I can't risk that. I can't pick against him again. And same thing with Georgia. That's why I picked Georgia over Michigan because I was like they're just they they're not going to lose this game. So same thing. I just I refuse to pick against it. But um, Michelle and Akers kind of traded off in this game. They both combined for 30 uh, carries, but only got over 100 yards. Uh, so just pounding the rock away. Um, but Arizona only got 61 total yards rushing. Um, they did nothing on the ground. But shout out Odell Beckham, who's really like gotten into pretty good form here. Uh, four receptions, 54 yards and a touchdown, but also a 40-yard bomb that he threw later in the game. So big shout out to Odell for actually doing some decent work here. But the Rams defense had a pick six, another pick, two sacks, three tackles for loss, and five punts forced, only one touchdown allowed. So pretty great work from the Rams uh, defense to play against uh, pretty like a pretty decent uh, Arizona offense, of course, when they're playing, when they actually get their act together. But, um, yeah, impressive work there from the Rams to defend SoFi Stadium. So good for them to get a win in and put themselves in a good position. But uh, obviously it's been a minute since the Rams have made some serious um, noise at least since the rebrand in SoFi Stadium hasn't been much, but they want to forget that last Super Bowl in Atlanta, which don't we all want to forget that last Super Bowl in Atlanta? That was one that was maybe one of the worst football games I've ever watched in my entire life. And I actually watched pretty much the whole game. And I don't know why I did that, but it was a truly horrible football game. So hopefully we don't get a repeat of that anytime soon. Uh, But we now have our final game of the day. And as that game is coming in, my breakfast has arrived, even though it is 12.48 p.m. Uh, out here Eastern time. So uh, this is Buffalo, Kansas City. And um, I actually was at this Bills game. So while I am gone to go get this, if you, Noah, wanted to go ahead and just sort of talk about what was going on here, um, you can give your takes and recaps and just sort of keep going on these two games until I get back. And then I'll give my takes firsthand because I was actually at the Bills-Patriots game, which was super fun to be at. I'm super happy I was there. But um, you can just go ahead and take the reins for a few minutes, and I will return in not too long. So Got it. Going ahead. All right. Let's go. Solo pod. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. New England versus Buffalo. That was just a hideous game. Just just an absolutely – I mean – not on the Buffalo side. The Buffalo side was great. But after having watched New England all year, you knew it wasn't going to be pretty when they had to play a good defense in the playoffs and they really had to air the ball out. But the difference in this game and even the first two meetings, I mean, the second meeting, Buffalo played pretty well. Um Still wasn't able, uh, still wasn't able to put up the type of offensive performance that they were um, in this third matchup. The difference was that the Patriots' defense was just nowhere to be found. Um, they did have some injuries, uh, but that's never an excuse, um, especially in the playoffs. Uh, you got to have your best guys playing their best football in the playoffs. And what was really weird about that game was to see Belichick get out coached. Um, and I think it's really a testament to how great a job Brian Dabble 
has done on that offense and how great a job uh, Sean McDermott is doing. This is a really, really good defense. Um, and they did all of this to the tune of zero punts, zero turnovers, zero field goals. They scored a touchdown on every single offensive drive. Except for the last drive of the game, which was a kneel. That's unheard of. That is unheard of in the NFL. Um, so really impressed with what Buffalo did last week. Um, thought it was a great effort for them. And uh, I think it's a real confidence booster um, as opposed to having to play a really tough game against New England as opposed to struggling on defense against this run game and against Mac Jones and just letting the Patriots out physical you. I think this gave Buffalo a ton of confidence going into today. Um, and they're going to need it because they are going into Arrowhead where the Chiefs have never lost to the Bill. I, I don't think the Chiefs have lost to a team. And I need to look at this twice in the same season in Arrowhead. No, obviously that's not a lot of teams because it would have to be teams that um, that Casey played in the playoffs uh, and during the regular season. But the first matchup of this game was really, really fun. But the Bills obviously looked like the better team. However, this is an entirely different Kansas City defense. Uh, we saw that against Pittsburgh where Pittsburgh was completely and totally unable to move the ball uh, whatsoever. Um, Big Ben was awful. I, I don't want to give too much credit to the KC defense here because Big Ben is an atrocity in his current state. Um, goodbye and good riddance, Big Ben. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of watching Big Ben play football. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm so tired. It's not fun. It's not fun football. Um, and yet, because Mike Tomlin's such a good guy and the continuity that you have there and the ownership and everything that goes in to why the Pittsburgh Steelers have historically one of the most successful franchises in history um, and one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent franchise probably over the last 20 years. Um, there is a reason uh, that Big Ben is retiring. It's because he's bad. But you see Big Ben on your TV so much because the Steelers have a big fan base um, and because they've always been really consistent. So we talked about this a little bit on GTD, but there is an element here where you could blame because the games were terrible last weekend and you could totally blame uh, the seventh seed being added because we haven't really seen many great wild card games since that seventh seed was added. However, you're some weird wonky stuff away at the, in week 18, you're some weird wonky stuff away from 
from I lost my train of thought completely. You're some weird wonky stuff away from uh, the Chargers, from the Chargers being in that spot, except instead of the Steelers. And Chargers Chiefs round three would have been really, really fun, I think. Because uh, Herbert would have been. At the end of the season. Well, but Chargers yeah. wouldn't have played them if that had happened. If the Chargers had won, they would have played the Bills. So it would have been right. Chiefs Patriots, which that would have been funny too. So either way, either way, I I, I went through uh, while you were gone, went through uh, the Bills offense last week. Uh, zero uh, drives with a punt, field goal, uh, turnover. Anything. They scored touchdowns on all their drives except for the last drive when they knelt. Um, and then I bitched about Big Ben. Because That's always good. I don't want to see Big Ben on my TV anymore. That was the point well, that I was making I, is that we won't be seeing Big Ben on my TV anymore, but I've seen way too much of Big Ben because of a combination of the success that the Steelers just have traditionally and their massive fan base and they get a ton of primetime games. I have seen entirely too much Ben Roethlisberger over the last couple of years. No, I, I think that's a, a good sentiment we all share. Um, I did I did want to put in uh, one note, though, um, just about these games, because I was at that game. Uh, it was absolutely um, incredible that just sort of what this game was and what it meant uh, being at the Bills game. As an, obviously, I'm a Falcons fan, but I was there uh, with Bills folks, and I was having a fun time with the Bills, but uh, Josh Allen, if you want to talk about how good his performance was historically, because 21 for 25, 308 yards, five touchdowns, 66 yards on the ground. He is the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to throw for at least 300 yards, run for at least 60 yards, and have five touchdown passes in a playoff game. No one's ever done that. And he joins Cam Newton, which is funny now, as the only quarterbacks ever in any game to accomplish that stat line. Allen is the ninth quarterback in NFL history to throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns in a playoff game, and the first since Patrick Mahomes did that three years ago. He scored a touchdown. The Bills scored a touchdown on their first seven drives in this game, which no other team has ever done that. In fact, no other team has ever scored a touchdown on more than four consecutive drives to start a playoff game before the Bills did it seven times in a row in this game. Seven. That 48 points was the most points a Bill Belichick team has ever allowed in any playoff game, which includes Belichick's time as both a head coach and a defensive coordinator. That is ridiculous. Like, absolutely insane. Of course, five touchdown passes by Allen are the most in any Bills playoff game in any Bills history ever. He's also the seventh player to throw for 300 yards and rush for 60 in a playoff game, and the first player since Lamar Jackson did it three years ago. And he now has four games in the playoffs with 250 pass yards, 50 rushing yards. No other quarterback in the history of football has more than two. This is crazy. The last time the Bills won a playoff game in consecutive years um, was the first time since they reached the Super Bowl four years in a row. So I don't know what else you can say about it. This uh, Bills team has been just so, so good. Josh Allen has been incredible and 100% is the answer that Buffalo needed. He is their next Kelly if not better than what Kelly brought to this team back 20, 30 years ago, um, or I guess 30 years ago now at the 90s. But um, it, this was nothing short of incredible. Witnessing this in person was ridiculous because if you see some of those touchdowns, some of them were just magical. In fact, the first touchdown he had to Dawson Knox, where he was running on the sideline and just sort of tossed it like right over the line, he actually said in the postgame presser that that pass was meant to go out of bounds. He was throwing the ball away, but he threw it down just far enough, and Dawson reached up just high enough 
that the ball ended up being uh, completed for a touchdown. So this was a simply incredible game. I was so happy to be at this game. Um, Bill Belichick and uh, and the Patriots once again choke in the playoffs. And that was much to my, my delight. So I was very happy to see that. Um, and then to give sort of my two cents on uh, the Pittsburgh-Kansas City take, because um, there isn't really much for me to add, honestly. But, um, yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in football. He had had, obviously, the Rocky season that we'll talk more about in the next interview. But this still was a very, very good performance. 400 yards and five touchdowns is nothing to scoff at. And while Big Ben is still just ugly, ugly football, I will give him credit for not turning the ball over. We know that's Big Ben's specialty, so I was uh, at least happy that he did not do that, at least in his last game, you know, give him a little bit of credit. Um, clearly, it was not the offense that blew this game. Even though the offense of Pittsburgh was not very good, I, I think there's a much more glaring issue <laughs> with, with the Pittsburgh team, um, yeah. including their line and the defense being a joke. So, uh, minus the, the touchdown was impressive, the T.J. Watt, because T.J. Watt is an elite player. But, I mean, God, that just <laughs> 42 points allowed in a playoff game, which I know the Patriots basically allowed the same thing, but that's you can't ever do that. It's embarrassing. So it's really, really bad. Can't ever allow that in the playoffs. But um, the the Steelers did it, so not the best outing for them. And we can go ahead and finish up on this uh, actually pretty good time with our NFC and AFC players and teams of the week. Now this only counts in the wild card round. We will do one next week, um, and probably sooner than a week from now. We'll probably do it in a few days. Um, will be our divisional round, uh, remaining divisional round recap, as well as our cha- uh, AFC and NFC Championship previews, which that episode will honestly not be very long at all. Um, so we will get all of that going, and then we'll be getting ready for some basketball content. I know we have provided very little basketball content on the year so far, and I get because we both have been incredibly busy, um, and football is sort of our main thing. But um, I want to talk more about that. I was at the Syracuse-Duke game, actually still in Raleigh right now, um, I went to Durham and covered that game, which was super cool. It was absolutely amazing experience. Uh, Cameron indoors is gorgeous and awesome. Um, so that was a really cool time. So I really want to talk more about basketball because I've been so in with college basketball this season as a reporter with it. Um, but I know we're, we're waiting a little bit just to get more NFL in. But I think after the championship games, once we only have the Super Bowl left, I think we'll get more of that content in because um, then obviously football is a lot more limited uh, after this next week. So we'll get on that. I promise we'll get there. But looking at teams and players of the week, I'm going to start things out, and I'm going to go with Mike Evans in this game. I know the Philly defense is not exactly the hardest to carve up, but he was fantastic in this game. Um, he ended up uh, hauling in, let me see, uh, nine receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. He had one of the best performances of any wide receiver in the NFC this week and just wanted to give him a shout-out for doing great. And my team of the week is San Francisco. Because why not give it to San Francisco? And they probably earned it again for this upcoming week. Uh, we'll see what happens with Rams and, and Bucks. But um, really great performance to knock out the Cowboys, which we always think is funny. So good for them to get that win. So there's my NFC player team of the week. So who do you have for the NFC? Uh, I got Matt Stafford played lights out against Arizona. I thought Arizona was going to win that game and – the Rams just came in and blew the doors off. So congrats to Matt Stafford on getting uh, finally getting that playoff win under his belt. Um, that that's what he came for. Uh, that's why he that's why he ended up uh, why he ended up in LA in the first place. Um, 
And I'll go ahead. Uh, well, team of the week, San Francisco, um, same as you. Big time win uh, in Dallas. Only upset of the uh, of the weekend in wildcard weekend. And then I'll go ahead for the AFC, Josh Allen and Buffalo. That was just, I mean, has to be my team of the week because they did something that never happens in football. Never happens. Blowing out the bats. <laughs> no. Just not having a 100% success rate on all of their drives, scoring a touchdown on every drive except for the last one of the game. That That's impressive. That's team of the week material right there. And player of the week for Josh Allen. And uh, my player of the week will be Josh Allen for all the same reasons. And team of the week, I got to shout out Cincinnati. I know this isn't a stab, of course, but I have to shout them out. Uh, winning their first playoff game in 31 years um, was pretty incredible. And then, again, looking ahead to this next week, they may be team of the week again. So, uh, big, big shout out to them uh, for winning it. And one last note before we leave you. I just saw this tweet. Uh, you liked it as well. It is by a Saints guy, which makes me sick. But I do have to retweet this because it's so funny. But Jimmy G plays like he got a look down at the joystick to make sure he's hitting the right button before he throws. And I think that is a great assessment yep. of Jimmy G as a quarterback, that he just he's, he has to be like, wait a minute, is this the right button? And then he just presses the, the whatever the button is to throw a pick. So um, I'll never stop making fun of Jimmy G. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, obviously. I just think he's a very funny quarterback to watch. Um, and we'll see how the, the Niners will do next round. But that is all going to be from me today. We actually wrapped this up in under an hour, which is great. But I uh, hope you all enjoyed our uh, another NFL podcast. I know these podcasts are all shortening because we're getting less football to talk about. So a lot less football uh, this next week. Uh, that episode, honestly, could be around 30 minutes. But um, we'll make sure to get that in as well. And super excited to talk about all of the finale of the NFL. So that is all for me, if that's all for you. That is all for me. Um Good to exercise some demons with you on this uh, Sunday yes. morning. So we can um, leave the Titans to rest for a few weeks at least before we have to rant about them again. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> Todd Downing, you're dead to me. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, please get on the next Greyhound bus back to Miami. Um, that is all for me uh, on the Blanket Coverage podcast. Tighten up, and uh, I'm Noah Parker. Peace out. <laughs> and, and I'm Jack Wallace. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>